if you've got a yard with lots of space where you can put an APS, a pole system, proper distance away from any location where a squirrel can jump, means any feeder you already own can be a squirrel-proof feeder with the purchase of a good pole system and a squirrel baffle. That's my number one recommendation at all times. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi, everyone. I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 76. Today... We're going to be all about critter solutions. Yes, I did say critters, which means a lot of different animals that sometimes might visit your backyard when you're not too willing to have them there. So we're going to talk about some solutions. Indeed. So if those critters are causing you to seek those solutions, and maybe it's solutions to save money, uh, maybe it's save some time or headaches with the hobby, or, or who knows, maybe even to save relationships with your neighbors. Well, <laughs> listen in, because we're probably going to cover some of those things for you and bring in some great tips for you today. Yeah, Brian, looking forward to it. This is actually one of the things that you and I have a lot of fun with and have really worked on for many, many years to come up with some really viable solutions to some of the common problems with people have in their backyards in regards to unwanted critters or too many critters or whatever it might be. Especially as we get later into summer. So stick around for the fun and the learning today. Okay, Brian, <laughs> critter solutions. This is one of our little, you know, favorite topics in the sense of uh, over, gosh, you know, 20 plus years, you and I have been mm -hmm. looking at different aspects of the hobby where sometimes people get a little impatient with certain things like squirrels that are coming to their feeders or sure. maybe they're getting way too many of one type of bird whether it be you know grackles or starlings or or house sparrows or whatever it may be or even just bees coming to their nectar feeders you know that type of thing so yeah again you and i've spent uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of time over the years kind of <laughs> coming up with the best practices, if you will, as to yeah. what to do and how to deal with some of these things. Well, and they can be a reality because, I mean, we're putting bird food out and all sorts of other things besides just the birds we might want might find that food attractive as well. And it, it does seem that late August time frame, it kind of seems to be this pinnacle. I, uh, you know, August, September, as you get late summer, early fall. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about some of those things. What, what, what can we be doing to, if I don't want them in my yard, you know, if I don't want to pay for all the food that they're consuming, right? Yeah, I kind of look at it as keeping things in balance. You know, I, I don't mind uh, house sparrows. I don't mind starlings, you know, in a sense of, you know, I don't want a lot of either one of them because they are eating machines. <laughs> and yes, they literally be. eat me out of house at home and they empty my feeders very rapidly and, and uh Therefore, some of the other birds don't have a chance to take advantage of the feeders as much as, as they normally would. So that's that's just one of those things, I, you know, again, just keeping it in balance so that the, the numbers don't get way out of whack, you know, with, with those. Mm -hmm. you know, squirrels, again, same thing. You know, squirrels can eat you out of house and home. Uh, they can damage your feeders. A lot of feeders, you know, are, are susceptible to being chewed on or 
are knocked over or knocked down off the off the pole system or off where the, the hanger is in the tree or wherever it might be. So you know, there's just it's just keeping things in balance and, and not letting things kind of, if you will, I guess personal perspective, things get kind of out of control in my backyard mm-hmm. to where it you know it causes me a lot of time and effort to to you know keep the feeders clean and refilling feeders all the time and that type of thing. Not to mention the cost of uh, a lot of food and 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 feeders <laughs> that are being damaged. Uh, you know, right. I, I definitely want to keep things under control. Well, totally agree with all of that. Um, it, it's reality, which is why we're talking critter solutions. So, you know, you're you're mentioning squirrels. Let's let's start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say is that top thing? Um, you know, here's the top thing that we're talking about all the time. You got squirrels coming; they're just devouring lots of stuff. Or you just you just don't want them coming in. What's that top scenario that we're always mentioning? Yeah, good good question. And I, I would I, honestly, a different different top thing, if you will, depending on the person's backyard or space. Uh, if you've got a yard with lots of space where you can put a feeding, you know, an APS, a pole system, uh, you know, proper distance away from any location where a squirrel can jump. So in other words, not near your roof line, not near a tree, not near a shed. You know, you know, ten foot distance. Yeah, ten deck rail, ten foot distance between whatever they can jump from to the actual pole system. And once you have that space, if you have that space, a lot of people have very small backyards, and maybe maybe they can't find that. And there's a there's a different solution there. But but for that situation, I I think it's I don't think you hear enough about and give credit to the fact that you can make any feeder squirrel proof if you have that 10 foot distance by using a pole system and a squirrel baffle any feeder that you put on that pole system basically becomes squirrel proof squirrels can't jump on the feeders from a distance the baffle properly placed placed at what four and a half five feet give or take keeps the squirrel from being able to jump up or get past the baffle so any feeder you put on that on that pole system now becomes squirrel proof, and I and I don't think people have a full understanding of what I you know what what that really means. It means any feeder you already own can be a squirrel proof feeder with the purchase of a good pole system, an APS pole system, and a squirrel baffle. And I, that, that's my number one recommendation at all times. Yeah, and that really is a fantastic solution. Uh, I'm recommending that all the time as well. And but like you said, you have to have the space for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get into the situation where you know I got lots of trees or I have a small backyard, then and squirrels, I can't get a ten foot radius around that feeder in all directions. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still plenty of other options that you can do, um, probably way more than we could really touch on for the podcast. Um, but that's where I get into looking at. Okay, so. Um, it depends on where you're hanging it. If it's still on a pole system, then you could look at doing things like what we call squirrel resistant or squirrel proof feeders that maybe they close off. Squirrel gets on there or reaches onto it and is pulling on it. It closes off and now you can't access the ports. Mm-hmm. And you know, looking at uh, the Wild Birds Unlimited Eliminator feeder, which is yeah. probably probably one of the best feeders for that. I call it the Cadillac of bird feeders. It really, <laughs> truly, and and I love well-engineered things. And this thing is so highly engineered; it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. But it absolutely does work. 
yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, and then you have other variations that are out there and some less expensive ones um, and a lot of cheap ones. And I don't mean cheap just in money, but I mean cheap as in they're not that great. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And the scroll can still access them or chew them up pretty easily. Uh, and that's where, okay, so if you don't want to go with an option like that, then we also have other things like you can do uh, cages around feeders where you're kind mm -hmm. of excluding. Um, you're keeping the squirrel from being able to physically get to the feeder. Um, so having that cage around it, do you do much with those cages? You know, I've got, I've got a trellis. I have a big picture window that I have my work desk uh, in front of. A couple of years back, I put kind of a trellis uh, feeding station uh, right outside that window, and I can hang feeders. So they're, you know, they're within three feet of my window. And, uh, but it's a sitting duck for squirrels <laughs> and raccoons, <laughs> to be quite honest. Raccoon, mm -hmm. I, I have a pretty good raccoon population around me, and and they both love this trellis. And anything I put on there that's, that's not either in a cage uh, or another solution for all of this is hot pepper. Uh, and those two things have made that mm -hmm. trellis feasible. Without those two, I would never be able to use this in my backyard. The, the squirrels and the raccoons would just, you know, take off with every bit of food and, and, you know, knock the feeders to the ground and everything else. So, but with the cages and with the hot peppers, and I use a lot of hot pepper cylinders, mm -hmm. uh, some of the, you know, loose seed, the sunfire chips and that type of thing. Uh, is what I put on that trellis, and, and it works like a charm. I, I really, when we first started developing the hot pepper line of products, you know, I was wondering whether it was really going to hold up and, and do the job. My experience with my trellis right outside this window has been just superb. It really does discourage the squirrels and the raccoons. And I can enjoy, I'm sitting here watching a little titmouse on my hot pepper no-mess cylinder uh, that I wouldn't be able to do if it wasn't for... For the hot pepper and yeah. then i also have a, a cage around a, a feeder with uh, some of the loose seed so that's that's kind of fun too yeah well and i love that you bring up the hot pepper it is a food that uh, in many respects has <laughs> saved my sanity in the backyard because <laughs> uh, we're always we're always testing different foods we're testing different feeders and i have different scenarios set up some are i have baffled systems to keep the raccoons off but I generally am always letting squirrels get to things. Um, but if there's a food that I want to be feeding just for the birds, or especially a feeder, then that hot pepper, the different variations, whether it's our, our loose blends or our cylinders or our hot pepper bark butter bits, and mm -hmm. um, it is absolutely fantastic. And I know um, sometimes people question, ah, does that really work? So they keep the squirrels off for the most part. Uh, in some yards, it's 100%. In yeah. other yards, you get the squirrel, just like people. They really enjoy hot foods. Yeah. They like spicy. and uh, But for the most part, it does. It works really well. And the birds love it, too. So it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I have one of our treehouse window feeders. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, attaches directly to the window. It's in my other window in the family room. And, you know, we can sit there and watch it while we're, you know, watching TV or whatever it might be. And love that feeder. I love having those birds come right on. And bluebirds love it. They come right up to the window. It's nothing nothing cooler in the world than having, especially in the wintertime when they're when they're all flocked up and you get dozens of them at one time and they're all coming to that feeder. When you, and I put hot pepper uh, bark butter bits in there. 
And uh, they just go crazy over it, and yet the squirrels and the raccoons, et cetera, leave it alone. So, again, I would not be able to use that feeder if it wasn't for those hot pepper products. Yep. Well, you got critters coming in, you know, from the mammal rodents kind of critters. So what about birds? You know, we hear all the time, you you get into late July, now you're August, September, and birds are flocking together, especially starlings, grackles. Um, you also have house sparrows have had a brood or two and yep. now we got all sorts of birds coming in and in, in some instances, maybe you don't have a whole lot, but the other instances I know in my yard is almost the season of here they come mm-hmm. and I'm not talking 10, 20, I'm talking 50, a hundred mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. coming in. They're like, woohoo, free food <laughs> party. <laughs> and then Number one, the food's gone. Boom. Within yeah. the hour. And then number two, the mess that can be left. Yeah. And now I'm like, yeah. now I gotta go clean that up. And yeah. I'm not really excited about it. But it's it's a it's a necessity to make sure keeping the feeders clean. Um so what what are the top things that you're doing to keep those those big groups? Yeah, I never bay? thought I as you were talking, Brian, it just dawned on me. I never thought I would say this, but actually this is a little to me, it's a little harder solution. Than squirrels are now. Squirrels used to be the just drive you crazy. You know how do you solve the problem? But we have a lot of effective tools for squirrels. Right. It's a little harder. It's a little more broad um, strategic attack, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> tactics, if you will, in regards to how you deal with all these different species of birds that you you know whether crackles or starlings or house sparrows. I think you know because it's it's on multiple levels. One, you don't want to put food out that they love. So again, if right. you got millet. You know, house sparrows love millet. You're getting a lot of house sparrows. You probably don't want to put millet. You probably don't want to put cracked corn out. Again, same mm-hmm. situation. Another bird some people love or not love, depending on their numbers, is red-winged blackbirds. Right. Depending on where you live. And I happen to live near a lake, so I have a lot of red wings in the area. And they can get pretty good numbers, especially in the fall. Oh, uh, especially in the fall. Years. Yeah. So they love cracked corn. So you want to make sure that I don't have any cracked corn. I don't have any millet out there. So I'm feeding foods. Uh, you know, starlings uh, love suet. You know, they're a, they're a, they love fats. And so one of the things I want to avoid is making it easy for them to get to my suet feeder. So there's different way, different types of suet feeders. I typically would use a tail prop, which I love. The tail prop, which has got the extended. Uh, tail on the bottom of the feeder so the woodpeckers have a place to prop their tail up against while they feed in the on the suet in the cage above right but uh there are upside down where the cage is actually open to the bottom the suet feeder is actually open to the bottom and that makes it a little more difficult for starlings uh the woodpeckers are perfectly capable as are the chickadees tit mice other clingers you know nuthatches they're all able to fly upside down grab onto the the wire and feed on the suet up from underneath Starlings can too. We've kind of we've kind of watched them over the over the decades become they more and more talented at being able to do that. Mm-hmm. But they don't like it, and they're not going to eat you out of house and home. You know, whereas if it was in a tail prop, they'd go through a suit cake. If you have a lot of them, they'd go through a suit cake in a matter of hours. You know, whereas a uh, upside down starling resistant suet feeder is a, a little more. Uh, it's going to slow them down. It's not going to stop them 100, percent but it's definitely going to slow it down. And then if you put in straight, simply suet, as opposed to suet that's filled with, 
you know, our fruits and nuts and the other things, that, the tree nuts and everything else that we put in it for the uh, woodpeckers to All to the yummies, right? Yeah, it's all <laughs> the ones that starlings love all that stuff. They're not as crazy about simply suet, just straight suet. So that's a combination of those two things. You still have food out that the woodpeckers will come to and the chickadees and the titmice, et cetera. But the starlings, yeah, it's not going to stop them, but it's definitely going to limit their impact. Right. Well, and I like too to put a cage around different suet feeders so we do have cage options and i love that especially uh you know you get more bush tits in later in the summer um and they're small they're going through there your chickadees are going through there some of your other smaller birds yeah some of the even downy woodpeckers can get through those cages um some of the bigger woodpeckers can stick their head through and still feed so that works really great. Um, one of the things that I think blows a lot of people's minds is for us to say as a retail company, stop feeding for a week or two. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We'd rather sell you the food and the food be consumed and you come get more. But if you have that nuisance issue and they're just devouring it anyway, if, a lot of times with these um, starlings and grackles, they're gathering up, flocking up, and they're looking for reliable food sources. And when they find it, they like to keep coming back. And if the food source dries up for a week or two, they're moving on. And it could be a long time uh, before they find it again. So I like to, every if, if it starts to become that issue, I'll minimize or even stop feeding for a little while. Make sure they've moved on and then put the food back out and all my regulars are coming back right away. Because they, they all live around here, all those regular yeah. birds. Yeah, so That works really well for me too. Yeah, I agree totally. I, cages are definitely something I like to, to use in the wintertime, especially when the sterling and grackle population can fall in, going into winter, uh, can be uh, on nuisance levels, you know, when they get to that level of, of where they're really dominating your backyard and the feeders, that's when that's when you want to take action. I, I think, the you know, a couple other things, safflower is another, you know, we have safflower in a number of our no-mess blends, and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cardinals love it, chickadees, titmice, other other birds will utilize it absolutely, and especially if you've been feeding it in one of our blends on oh, a regular yeah. basis so your birds are familiar with it. Sometimes if you just switch to straight safflower, it takes the birds a while to recognize it as food and start utilizing it. But if you've been if you've been feeding one of the noble <clears throat> one of our blends, I should say, that has safflower in it, then, you know, they're going to be used to it and you can just go to all safflower. And those birds can still feed, but a lot of the, the nuisance blackbirds don't particularly care for it. And, and uh, again, won't stop them completely, but it definitely will limit. And Brian, one of the things you and I have talked about before on our podcast, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we've kind of learned over the years is straight sunflower chips. Yes, straight sunflower chips. Yep. Isn't that weird? Well, when we don't know for sure exactly why. Is it a nutrition thing or, or what it is? But if you put out straight sunflower chips um, then so sunflower out of the shell and you put it in tray style feeders then when the blackbirds are coming in they might peck at it and even house sparrows they might peck at it but they are not devouring it and just decimating it mm-hmm. uh, and so it's a, it is it's a nice solution scenario but you got to put it in a tray style feeder because if it's in a hopper style feeder or a tube style feeder then those blackbirds will keep bill sweeping or just grabbing mouthfuls and kicking stuff out of the way looking for this stuff they want in a tray feeder they can 
kind of browse through it, kind of like you would drag your finger through there looking for stuff uh, or drag a fork through it. Hey, can I find something, <laughs> something else in here that I right, prefer? Right, right. And so now in the tray feeder, it's not all going to the ground. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that is a great solution. Yeah, that's one that I think we, we just over the years just kind of through observation just kind of went, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute, especially starlings. Seems to be especially effective against starlings. Yeah. And, and it was a total surprise. But just through our observations over the years, it was like, wow. They really don't utilize them very much when right. they're in a tray-style feeder, and it's straight sunflower chips. So Little tips you're hearing from the experts, right? Isn't that cool? <laughs> isn't that cool? And one other thing I like, if, if I have a little a little what's called a clinger. clinger uh, it's a little satellite clinger feeder. I can't remember the exact name of it. had it for years. Um, but it's it's made basically for the smaller birds, like the chickadees and the nuthatches and the titmice that, that mm-hmm. are used to clinging on the side of a tree. And uh, does not have any purchase whatsoever. And so the blackbirds and, and other uh, birds have a much harder time using that feeder. And so, you know, a lot of our feeders uh, that you see, you know, like that eliminator we were talking about, that Cadillac of all bird feeders, you can actually take the perches off. Yes. And therefore you make it a clinger only feeder. And so you eliminate any bird that actually needs a perch or feels much more comfortable with a perch uh from you know dominating that feeder and and maybe even not even being able to use that feeder so look at look at different feeders that maybe either don't have perches or have perches that you can remove uh because it'll eliminate a lot of those bigger birds right so there's one other critter that uh, hmm. Especially in August, can be buzz, buzz, quite buzz, a challenge. Buzz, buzz. buzz. <laughs> What's the buzz about the critters? <laughs> so having wasps at feeders, and uh, and sometimes bees too. We have some of the native bees, and uh, as well honeybees. But wasps generally tend to be really aggressive. Lots of them when they find a nectar feeder. Maybe you got your hummingbird feeder still out, your oriole feeder still out. Man, they they love that sugar water. Yeah. And come in late in the season and it's getting drier. Uh, they're looking for, for flowers. They're looking for food and, and energy pretty much anywhere. Nectar feeders become a great solution for them. But we have solutions to help get them to move on from your nectar feeder. Yeah, nectar and any kind of a jelly feeder. Uh, if you are somebody who has a lot of Orioles or has a chance to feed Orioles and you're using jelly to do that, uh, you have very similar problems to some of the nectar feeders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so lots of different potentials. This is one of those pro- problems that, you know, it's, <laughs> I go out and if I do have like a bald-faced hornet or yellow jackets or whatever they may be at my feeders, it's a it's a little, <laughs> it's still intimidating. <laughs> it's <Right>? still, still <laughs> totally intimidating to go out and, change that feeder or clean the feeder or whatever it is to get those little critters off there to begin with. But one of the things that we've learned over the years, especially is that, you know, one, keeping those feeders clean is really Mm -hmm. important. You don't want to have a lot of nectar sloshed out. You know, again, uh, our high perch uh, tray style hummingbird feeder is great because you just don't get a lot of nectar drips and things like that. It doesn't leak. So you don't have nectar, you know, all over the feeder or on the perches or on the ground below the feeder. Um, so keeping a feeder clean to minimize the amount of attractiveness, if you will, of that feeder is a really important thing. Yeah. Uh, moving that feeder sure. around uh, sounds weird, 
<laughs> but it does take these these little critters a, a while to find things. So, uh, you know, if they've targeted your feeder now and it's on the left side of your backyard, put a pole up or do whatever and move it to the right side of your yard. And it may take them a couple of days to stumble on that feeder again and, and find it, especially if you keep it good and clean and that type of thing. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, there's just there's a couple other different solutions that you might want to try. Yeah, for sure. I love that you're talking to keep the outside of the feeder clean because if there's no sugar water or dried sugar on the outside, then they're not going to know. Um, mm-hmm. But even though you you know maybe it's an orange color, maybe it's a yellow color, um, not a, hopefully it's not a yellow color because bees right. and wasps actually hone in on yellow more so than they do red. Um, which was why most hummingbird feeders are red, because hummingbirds learn that red usually is a great nectar source. Uh, so keeping that outside clean, but we have nectar tips on our feeders, our tray-style feeders, that you can put the nectar tips on, which then prevent bees from accessing the uh, the nectar through the holes, like where the birds can access the nectar. But the birds can get their beak through that little tip, and the bees and the ants can't get through there. Mm-hmm. So that's another great little way to still feed nectar and keep it clean. Uh, so just some little tips. If they're overrunning your feeders, try those and see how that's going to work out for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So critter solutions. I think we've we've thrown out a lot of stuff today, Brian. And hopefully, hopefully something that we put out there will help. Uh, you, if you're having, you know, uh, our listener, if you're having problems mm-hmm. with uh, with whether it's squirrels or nuisance birds or bees and wasp, uh, hopefully some of these uh, little tips and tricks will give you a leg up on solving some of these problems in your backyard. Yeah, just keep everything happy and keep the solutions <laughs> all, all at hand so you can enjoy that hobby and enjoy the birds. Yeah, keep it in balance. Zen-like. That's right. That's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> what we're all about, John. It's what there we're all about. Go. There you go. <laughs> well, on behalf of all of us at Wild Birds Unlimited, definitely thank you for joining us. And hopefully you found some great critter solutions today. And please rate and review us. We love to hear what you have to say. And stop by a local Wild Birds Unlimited store as they have all the different local expert advice and all the local expert products for you for these different kinds of solutions. Absolutely. And join us next time when we're going to kind of take a look at migration and molting and some of the things that you can do in your backyard in regards to the foods and the feeders and that type of thing that you can do to help uh, birds during that really tough time of migration and when they're molting in their new feathers. So until then, Brian and I, as always, are going to continue to let nature be our guide. So please take care, be safe, and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, get show notes, or find the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com forward slash podcast. We'd really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. But more than that, we hope you find a moment to relax, enjoy the birds, and stay nature-centered. Nature Centered.